Are you looking for entertainment for a fundraiser, outreach, youth night, date night, or for a conference? Does your team need a way to improve team camaraderie, confidence, and communication? Well, look at Wellverse Comedy for a show, performance, or a workshop. Wellverse Comedy is Chicago's clean comedy team, and we're ready to serve you, your audience, or your organization. We've headlined our own shows at the Second City at Gutty's Comedy Club in Indianapolis and started our own TV show called His Line. And we've raised over $5,000 for charity in just the last two years years. We are now booking for your back-to-school bash, fundraiser, and even your holiday parties. Contact us today and let's see how a night of high-energy, clean, original, family-friendly comedy can make your next event memorable for all the right reasons. Connect with us on social media at WellversedCMDY. That's at WellversedCMDY or online at WellversedComedy.com. WellversedComedy.com. For booking information, email us improv at WellversedComedy.com. Welcome to the Gifts for Glory podcast, where we celebrate and promote men and women using their gifts for God's glory. Know someone who is making an impact for God's kingdom using their gifts, talents, and passions? We'd love to meet them. Send us an email at podcast at giftsforglory.com. That's podcast at gifts, the number four, glory.com. And now here is our host, Dave Ebert. Hello, friends and neighbors, and welcome to the latest edition of Gifts for Glory. We're so excited that you're joining us, whether you're joining us live on social media or you're uh, watching the replay on uh, any of our platforms, whether it's on Spotify, it's on uh, the Creative Motion Network, on Roku, or wherever you're joining us, uh, uh, the Taken Television Network uh, podcast channel, wherever you're watching or wherever you're listening, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, We uh, really love uh, all of our audience and I hope that... uh, when you get time, you'll leave a review. You'll uh, share the podcast with somebody that you know and uh, continue to help us uh, grow our network as we uh, just share great stories each and every episode. Uh, we're so uh, thankful for that. Uh, we want to uh, dive right in uh, today uh, to our Devotions with Dave segment. Uh, today, we're going to be reading from Acts uh, chapter 12 and uh, going to start with verse 5. So Acts chapter 12, verse 5. Uh, I was actually on, uh, today is uh, Thursday, I was actually on Maurice Brown's show earlier today, and we are reading this chapter, and this section just really jumped out at me. Uh, you know, Peter is in jail, uh, all the uh, the brethren are fervently praying for him, uh, so let's uh, dive in verse 5. But while Peter was in prison, the church prayed very earnestly for him. The night before Peter was placed on trial, he was asleep, fastened with two chains between two soldiers. Others stood guard at the prison gate. And uh, then suddenly there was a bright light in the cell and an angel of the Lord appeared before Peter. The angel struck him on the side to awaken him and said, quick, get up. And the chains fell off his wrists. So what's interesting to me about this passage is Peter is about to face trial for his life. Uh, Many people would sit here and think would be like, man, if I was about to go on trial for my life, I couldn't sleep. But I think that there's a valuable lesson here, something that's usually overlooked. So this is Peter who was on the boat when it was rocking in the storm on the Sea of Galilee and Jesus below deck was asleep, sound asleep. So he is following Jesus in this moment. He is seeing a storm. He knows there's a storm coming, but he followed his Lord and he knew that, hey, you can sleep. You can get the rest that you need. You can sleep soundly, so soundly that an angel appearing has to kick you in the side to say, hey, wake up. 
So he had that kind of peace because he'd seen Jesus do it. Jesus faced the storms head on and he was able to sleep. So there's one. Number two, he also knew because he had the Holy Spirit, he also knew in his spirit that the church was praying for him. And the church praying for him, praying earnestly for him, for his safety, for his protection, for his release, his church praying for him spoke to his spirit and gave him peace in that moment. So there's two. And number three, and this is something that's very hard to grasp uh, from the human perspective, but if we think about it, we would consider the worst that could possibly happen would be he would be killed. But he knew if that was the worst that they could do to him, this time the next day, he'll be back with Jesus. So he knew that if they did the worst, that he would get the best outcome, that he would be in the loving arms of Jesus the next day because he had that peace, he had that faith. So there are three reasons, and Peter's just a great example to us, that we can have peace no matter what the storm, no matter what the circumstance, because Jesus already went through it, because we have people praying for us, and because if the worst that happens and we get killed out of it, hey, we're going to heaven. We're going to be dancing on the streets of gold the next thing we know. So three reasons to have peace no matter what the trial is. And Peter exemplifies it there, I think, in, in Acts 12, uh, verses 5 through, I think that was 8 that I read for you. So that is our devotion with Dave segment. We have a reason to hope. We have reason to have peace. We have reason to uh, to be excited. No matter how dark things get, we will one day be dancing with Jesus. Once we accept him as our savior, we have that secure future. So that is our devotion with Dave segment. We have two amazing guests that uh, we're coming on uh, tonight, Mary Jackson and uh, Becky Rasmussen. Uh, we're going to be talking about call to freedom and I'll give you a little taste of what call to freedom is uh, with this uh, video. And then we'll have our guests on in just a moment. trafficking is the legal trade of human beings, mainly for the purposes of forced labor and sex trafficking. It is the world's largest growing criminal activity and affects every corner of the globe, including Sioux Falls, South Dakota. In 2016, Call to Freedom answered the call and began providing supportive services for victims of human trafficking and sexual exploitation. Since opening the doors, we have served over 800 victims in Sioux Falls and the surrounding counties. Those numbers continue to grow, and our call is to journey alongside a victim to survivor by providing them with basic needs and safety. Call to Freedom has developed a strong network of community providers and internal services offering safe housing, mental health, and trauma counseling, medical assistance, addiction counseling, transportation, job employment, and other supportive services. We have trained thousands of first responders, community members, and youth on how to identify trafficking victims. Log on to our website to get involved. Together, we can make a difference. 
So that is called Freedom, and I'm excited to bring our guests on at this time. Uh, first, bringing in uh, Becky uh, Rasmussen, or is it Rasmussen? Which one do you prefer? It's Rasmussen. You got it right. All right. Hey, go, Dave. <laughs> All right. So I'm off to a good start, and we're also joined by uh, Mary Jackson. Uh, Mary Jackson, uh, welcome to. Uh, uh, you've got a, a far easier name, uh, so I appreciate. Yeah, that. that's pretty easy. <laughs> But if I do make a mistake, I just want to say ahead of time, I'm sorry, Miss Jackson, but I am for real. <laughs> okay. All right. We are off to a great start. Um, so I know that um, that uh, you are both advocates. Uh, you're uh, both uh, uh, part of the uh, not only the, um, the foundation uh, called Freedom, but there's also a book. Uh, which is available on Amazon, uh, Call to Freedom. And it's, uh, sorry to cover up, Mary, but uh, we'll, we'll okay. get that down in a minute. Uh, Call to Freedom, A Parent's Guide to Understanding Human Trafficking and Healing Their Children. Uh, so that uh, that book is available on Amazon, also on uh, calltofreedom.org. You can find it there. Uh, but uh, it's called Call to Freedom, A Parent's Guide to Understanding Human Trafficking and Healing Their Children. Uh, so I guess the uh, the first and most obvious question, and I'll just pose it to whoever wants to take it first. Uh, how did Call to Freedom come about, uh, not only the, uh, the book, but also the organization? Yeah, um, in 2000, about 10, I had a prompting to get involved with anti-human trafficking. So the Lord put this in my heart many years ago, um, but I didn't know exactly what I was going to be doing or what that looked like until Fast forward to 2015, and um, I was in prayer again, May of 2015, and I felt the Lord say, get back involved. And so I ended up getting connected with uh, Call to Freedom, who at that time was a program under another nonprofit, and um, had this series of events. I uh, had a connection with a girl in Sturgis Rally that we believe was trafficked, and God just started putting all of these scenarios into my life to say, this is really happening, Becky. And as I began to research after my interaction with Marissa in August of 2015, who was, we believe, a, a victim of, of trafficking, um, who had gone missing and was on the missing kids list, um, mm -hmm. I found out that there was only 298 beds at that time for survivors across the United States. And there was one for boys. And I began to learn that a lot of victims were coming out and then they were couldn't become survivors because the services weren't there. And they mm. would be re-recruited re back into that life because they were still being communicated through these circles that they were still vulnerable and still available and didn't have housing, didn't have those needs met. And so I knew in my heart that the, I could do something about this. And I believe God was calling me to do that or I could just sit back and watch and not do anything. And I chose to step into the call. And so we uh, applied for our 501c in November of 2015 and received it January of 2016, opened our first office in March of 2016. And God has been with us ever since. And from the mm -hmm. beginning to the end, um, you can't make up the things that we have experienced. Um, I'm not that smart. <laughs> I'm not that talented. But God's grace has been upon Call to Freedom from the day that it's opened. And we started simply with volunteers. And Mary came in that first year alongside of us. And I'll let her share that. But as we started journeying, um, we now fast forward today, we have 25 staff. 
um, that are working full time. And we're about $3 million agency that we're providing services. And um, that number that you had 800 is now over 1000 that we've served nice. walk through the doors of call to freedom. And we're seeing this increase of 40 40% plus every year um, and more and more survivors and victims are coming forward. And um, the services, the wraparound services that Call to Freedom does was developed because the journey that we've had with survivors. And God has made sure that every one of those needs has been met financially, but also covered with prayer. We have these wonderful groups of people who pray for us because we're not only fighting against flesh and blood, but we're fighting against spirits and principalities. Yeah. When you take on the whole realm of human trafficking, not just those that we serve that are walking through the doors, but those that are demand that are buying and those that are trafficking. This is a, a full cervical of evil um, that the enemy doesn't want us to, to combat because he really owns it right now. And yeah. um, that's why we need prayer warriors, because um, that covering is very, very important to the work that we do. Yeah, it's awesome. Uh, uh, Mary, uh, share how, how you got involved and and. And share as much as you're comfortable sharing. Yeah, well, thank you so much for having us on. Um, yeah, so I would be considered a survivor of uh, sex and labor trafficking. Uh, mm. Many years ago, I attended in high school, a Christian uh, high school and a Christian college for a couple of years. And I left the borders of South Dakota to move to the East Coast to be a nanny. And during that process, I had met a group of people that were that I would later learn would be a part of the cartel out of Columbia, South America. Mm. That is where it didn't start out as trafficking. It looked like something else. It looked like um, he was my boyfriend. These were my friends. I wanted to belong. I was always searching for that. Um, like I'm not um, by any means not intelligent or smart. I was always trying to fit in, and I just found that in this uh, group of people. And it was a slow process to start with, but once that all occurred and they started having the trauma bonds and started thinking that this was my new family, uh, evil really does take over. And you're a part of something without even really understanding you're a part of it. It wasn't my choice, but they led me to believe it was my choice the manipulation that's involved, which is the grooming process. Really, you start depending so much on those people that what becomes your probably maybe abnormal growing up, maybe normal. It all depends what your vulnerabilities are that uh, made you vulnerable for a trafficker to actually find you. And these people found a Midwest girl who was very naive. And it was a really, really, I would say, not anything I ever asked for. Mm -hmm. When I was a young girl, I didn't say, I, I want to be trafficked. I want to, you know, I was raped. I was beaten. And I think it's just been such a lonely, lonely journey that when I came home and which is a whole journey in itself, how I came home, how I got left the cartel, um, the forced criminality behind it, I didn't understand that I was trafficked. But there was no agencies, there was no services, nobody um, wanted me to talk or say anything. It wasn't really until I met uh, Becky and Call to Freedom that I really started connecting 
I, I went in and I served and somehow I connected with all of these survivors. And I kept saying, wait a minute here, what happened to me? Hmm. And I looked back and I said, oh my goodness, this is what happened to me also. I, I know God placed Becky and called to freedom in my life and in my path. So I could really start a journey of healing and also that spiritual journey. Mm -hmm. So it's a journey of uh, mind, body, and soul. And yeah. Call to Freedom has walked with me. Um, I went in and now I I, I work at Call to Freedom uh, part-time. And I go in and I, I help and look at all of their services to say what is needed. And somebody had asked me, well, what does a survivor need, a victim who comes out of such a horrific uh, experience. And I said, what don't we need? Mm, yeah. You know, we uh, need that support and unconditional love to walk alongside us. Um, no one saves us. There's only one who saves. Yeah. And we have to walk that uh, journey. And I have walked that journey. It's, it's a lifelong journey. But I, I know that God has shown me that I'm worth it. And that I can turn that pain and suffering around for his greater glory. It's really hard when you're going through it to even see that, right? You know, right. you're trying to understand everything. Uh, when I came home, I, I can talk openly about things because my uh, trafficker has been killed and murdered or and this uh, cartel, most of them have been in prison or are uh, killed. Mm -hmm. uh, so I'm just so... I'm so humble by anyone who, who allows us to speak. I am so humble, humble and grateful for Call to Freedom and every service that they provide the sur uh, survivors I talk to. They are just like, what does Call to Freedom do? I can't even understand the realm that they care about us so much. And that's driven also, <laughs> you know, God's got a, God's got a hand in this. <laughs> And uh, the so the survivors in, in my nationwide group also, it is unbelievable what uh, all the help that we get. And I always take kind of a deep breath. I would have loved to have had a call to freedom 20 years ago. Uh, so I really walked the journey um, alone until I met call to freedom. Yeah. And I want to say about Mary, um, one of the things that Call to Freedom has been very focused on, and Mary has led the charge in this, is to be a survivor-led developed programming. Um, there isn't, um, human trafficking was put into federal statute early 2000s, so Mary's case wasn't ever identified because it wasn't even in federal law. And so what we're seeing now is a lot of survivors self-identifying later in life, but this has been happening for years. Um, but the gift of Mary, um, and one of the things about her story is there is not a lot of survivors that we have seen in networks that have survived cartel trafficking. Uh, Mary's story is uh, one of God's miracle and grace um, because most survivors don't, individuals that are in the victimization of cartel trafficking don't survive. Um, but Mary did. And for such a time as this, Mary is now sharing, um, you know, on this greater level. And I do believe um, because of her voice, 
um, it provides hope to those that are in those situations because most don't leave. But when a Mary walks in the room, when a survivor is in the room and Mary walks into the room and she says, I survived that, um, there's a just there's tears, there's hope. Um, something um, just greater is released in that room by God through her um, mm -hmm. to that survivor. And, and that's what's key in this is, you know, I can go do all this work and, and put things together. But Mary's story really brings freedom and hope to those that walk through the doors. So she's not just part time. She's a key part of, of what Call to Freedom does and, and a key part of the development of where Call to Freedom has gone. And that's amazing that. Uh, Sorry, I was like, well, Becky, you're about making me cry. So. I know, I'm crying too. Like, <laughs> I'm like, oh, <laughs> I love you. And, and the, it, it's remarkable, uh, like, like you said, that they survived the cartels because yeah. you think cartel, you think the brutal, the most brutal of the brutal on, on earth. That, uh, um, so it, it, it's, it's humbling that I, that, for lack of a better word, we're talking to a walking, talking miracle yes. here tonight. And, uh, and though you would never do it again, I, I, I would venture to say that because of your experience, you know, that you're, you, you almost value it now because you're able to help others. Does that sound yeah. fair? Yeah. I, I know. I, you don't know, you know, why for, for many years I was, I was angry. Um, I came home and, and I didn't have an addiction, which um, I'm very, very grateful for. But when I came home, I just didn't understand these were the people that loved me and cared about me and that uh, rewiring of my brain to think this was so normal. And I think anyone who's probably lived through it, sometimes I am, I'm, I am grateful when I say that if some people don't understand, that means you didn't have to experience the horrific mm -hmm. of human trafficking, which includes sex and labor trafficking. And also it is male and females. So I have friends that are male and female that are survivors. So we can't forget about the males also. Mm -hmm. It's, it's yeah. very important. And what, what breaks my heart too, is I know that at least one organization in Texas deals specifically with children who have been rescued from it. Mm -hmm. And uh, I was telling uh, Becky before we went on, one of the things that I've been blessed with in, in my comedy career is I teach improv at Salt and Light Coalition, uh, who works with women in the Chicagoland area that have survived trafficking. And through improv, you're able to see, you know, communication developed, uh, a sense of humor come back because for, and may, you know, this is just my analysis. I don't, you know, is that to survive, you've got to lock away the, many of those human elements like creativity and laughter and the ability to have fun because you know, there's no room for that, really. Uh, would you right. agree? Yeah. So, and Becky can comment on it also, but yes, 100%. You are, you are considered the property of, of, of someone. Uh, they, they control every aspect of, of your movement. Uh, I remember I came home uh, again. I had forced criminality. In my case, it was a federal case. And I came home and I was sitting with some people I know that we were ordering pizza and they asked me what kind of pizza I wanted. And I'm like, I have no clue. I about had a anxiety attack because I didn't know what kind of pizza mm. I wanted, but I'd never 
had that uh, freedom to order. And it's, it's so simple that I think people out um, probably in quote, uh, the modern world and normal world, a friend of ours always uh, quoted somebody saying, there's no such thing as normal. It's a setting on a dryer. So when I use that, I'm always kind of like, oh, yeah, there isn't anything as normal. Uh, but it's just uh, anything from it, picking out clothes uh, to knowing I'm a person and I'm a value because you are someone's property. Uh, Becky can probably go into this a little bit. It's uh, the, the cartel explained to me, this is a business. We aren't looked at as a human being. We are looked at how much money that they can make off of us. And to sell a human being over and over again, um, sometimes, and I, I don't like to do this because we are humans, but you it's like a used car salesman who gets the new car first and then they sell that car over and over again. They don't have to invest a lot into it, but they mm -hmm. have to maintain it, kind of do the oil, you know, oil change, all that. It's like they take care of our basic needs so that we don't want to leave or that we're afraid to leave. And they use a lot against us to control us and to keep us there. To think you that, think, go go ahead. I'm sorry. Uh, so, like the criminality you were forced into, and and uh, and you say you didn't work, you weren't, um, you know, on drugs or anything. But I know that a lot of victims end up addicted. Those yes. are things that are used as control because then the thought is, well, if you got a criminal record, you got a drug record, mm -hmm. you can't go anywhere, so you have to stay. Is that right. kind of how it works? Yeah. Well, and when you start, when you start out, it all depends because every, every victim has their own journey. Every situation is their own and how this happened to them. Some people are born into it. Uh, some people, their vulnerabilities makes them like um, if they've been raped or sold as a child, uh, if they're homeless, there's uh divorce in the family. I mean, you could take it on one spectrum and go to the highest spectrum. And what leads somebody to being vulnerable to being taken advantage of? Boy, that could be anybody. Yeah. I mean, if you think about it, uh, I was very vulnerable and I share this so that people are educated and aware so they can say that they now know, they can't say again that they don't know. Yeah. Uh, that I, I had a boyfriend on the East Coast and I ended up getting pregnant. And that boyfriend had said to me, in order to stay with me, you're going to have an, an abortion. Mm. And I said, oh, boy, I, I don't know what's going on here. Let me call my mom, my dad. I My mom and dad have passed away. But uh, my dad was a probably a prominent businessman here in, in our town. And he just said, you can't come home. Uh, oh. You're ashamed to the family. Uh, to the community, um, you you can't. I can't. I can't have you come home. So I didn't want to have the abortion. So I didn't go back to the boyfriend. But and I couldn't come home. So I turned to the new group of friends that I met who welcomed me when I told them that I'm pregnant. Well, that's my vulnerability right there. Yeah. And so they said no, and I did end up giving the child away for um, adoption. But that was now that had formed this uh, trauma bond with them. And I was thinking these are the only people that care and love, love me. But now that that control was already starting. Yeah. And whatever they said, I'd probably do it because they took care of me. 
and your brain starts to shift and change in my journey. I can only speak about my journey. Right. Um, you know, and uh, understand like how you how I was able to turn things around and turn that pain and suffering around. Uh, it wasn't easy. Um, I remember when I was in Colombia and I said they were uh, I wanted to leave. I did marry my trafficker and I did have a son with him. Something changed in me the day that my son was born. Mm. And I, I wanted to leave. I wanted to come home. Um, I look back now, you know, maybe there's God that placed that in me. And when I said, I want to go home and they said, no, that you can't go home. You make us too much money. And I thought, what? So as I'm taking a normal and abnormal and, and you're just so controlled, you know, it's almost like this um, brainwashing cult type of thing. And when I said no, they came the next morning and uh, took my son who was two months old. So that's where the forced criminality and I did fly to the United States. I did uh, commit a crime. And when the feds uh, came and arrested me in the DEA, I, I said, yeah, I did the uh, crime. I have my son in Colombia. I was scared. Uh, there's so much control in all of this. And they, everyone in my case kept saying, there's something not right about this. It, it doesn't add up. This, But nobody used the word trafficking. Mm, yeah. I mean, it wasn't discussed. There was nothing. I, I wasn't going to talk about much. I mean, you got to be kidding me. My uh, son is in uh, Columbia. Plus, I, I didn't understand it. But I knew that I committed the crime and I accepted responsibility for that. Well, I'm going to interrupt you because no, yeah. really what yeah. happened is they said, I'm, we're going to harm your son if you don't do this. We have your son. We're going to harm him. And you go do this, then you can have your son back. Now, when she crossed those borders, she didn't know what you were bringing in. You didn't um, know. I didn't. Yeah, no, I, I didn't have anything didn't on. No. And she was seized at that time with what they had put into that shipment that was mm. in her name. And so that's how that organized front works is they'll use labor trafficking as, as LLCs using, you know, victims names and LLCs and create for money laundering and, and for various other things, but then force that individual um, because of something that's happening in the background that mostly um, we don't know about only they do. And they're not going to talk about it because of the fear to do these. So we see not only what happened in Mary's case, but also in those cases where there's drug possession, um, guns, um, shootings. I mean, we, we, we work a lot in that forced criminality realm that they're in the systems and never get identified. And so I'm just going to just say, Mary, <laughs> yes, you are forced to in a, in a yes. criminal situation, you know, yeah. and, but, you, but the, when the lawyers of the cartel are coming and saying, you better take the charges or else we're going to hurt your son. Mm. You know, that this is real life for, for people in those situations. And so, um, but unfortunately, um, fortunately, Mary lived. Unfortunately, it wasn't the circumstance you wanted. Right, Mary? Yeah. I remember praying that night in Medellin, Colombia, uh, holding my son, knowing they were going to come and get him kidnap him the next day and force me to commit the crime. And I asked God, I said, God, these are 
really, I mean, these are powers that are greater than me. I, I'm trying to figure out how to get out of here and how to get home. I wasn't able to. And I asked God to bring, to bring me home. And I look back now, I'm like, oh, that was great. Thanks for answering my prayer, God. I mean, I, I'm just ecstatic. But it wasn't the way I want to do it. Right. But I see that now, years and later, it took a long time to understand. But how I can use that and turn that around and, and help others and serve others and to know that that is what my purpose and that God has said, I mean, not audibly to me, but I do use that and I take that very, very much to heart when Call to Freedom calls and there is a victim that walks through that door and they need my help. Whatever I'm doing, I drop everything because that person needs to know that somebody does truly, truly understand they have been in their shoes. We, we may not have the same story or journey or, but what happened to us, the, the beatings, the selling of us, what we were forced to do. And they just want to know that somebody gets it and that there is hope as Becky had said. Hmm. So just probably to fast forward, I did get my son back. Great. Amen. Amen. Praise God. And so my son was two two years old. That again is probably a, another podcast. <laughs> I would say <laughs> I got a different things here going on. Uh, <laughs> but with that, with the help of many wonderful people that were in my case, uh, State Department, DEA, FBI, there was some really good law enforcement um, and people who just generally cared in our our community and in our state that. We, my son, we got him out of Columbia and he is now in his thirties. He lives in another state, graduated from high school, doing wonderful, but he also has his own journey knowing that what happened to his mom hmm. and knowing that he is a child of a trafficker, um, a drug dealer and an arms dealer. That's hmm. And that's rough because, you know, that's part of your identity. And, um, you know, he obviously missed out on having a good father figure in his life. But uh, we know he's got the best father in his life uh, because his, his mom found that same father. Okay, now that makes me about cry, too, because we always <laughs> told him growing up, it's it's the love that surrounds you. And knowing that... Um, he, he may have had a, a dad, father, whatever you wanted to call him, but that he had all the love from his mother, his grandmother, his grandfather. I mean, so many people in his life. So I'm, I'm, I'm just grateful that God placed those people and that I had a good support system, even though my own family didn't understand. And I guess that's why this book is so important to me mm -hmm. is because my own parents, and I always start to cry, especially if my sister or my family is ever in the audience. My own mother would have loved to have um, been able to be able to talk to somebody about what she went through, um, trying to even understand her own responses and just having that support because it, it affects the victim and people have to remember that we are the victim. 
and that we didn't we didn't ask for it. All right. And no matter and I think it's important also to point out that no matter what choices you made, you never asked nor deserved to have what's done to you. You know, people make mistakes, it happens, but no one deserves and no one is asking for that kind of literal hell on earth. And uh, so I, I thank you for being strong and, uh, and, and sharing because people need to hear that. This, because I think that in many people's minds, they want to dismiss, um, you know, survivors or, or, or victims because they mm -hmm. think, well, they, they, they got into it because they were on drugs or, or this or that, or they, they asked for it, but no, nobody asked for it. Nobody deserves it. And I think that there's, a negative connotation and that's why it takes so long for for victims to find help is because they're dismissed as drug addicts or people who just make poor choices or, or things of that nature and uh you know just talking to the women that i work with you know one of them that uh, i know for sure was sold because at first because her mom and dad needed a hit so mm -hmm. the dealer came over said all right here's your thing and at nine years old that drug dealer did what he wanted to yeah. The familial yeah. trafficking is very common and is one of the hardest to identify because it's the person you trust the most, usually mm -hmm. a mother, father, aunt, uncle, um, that is putting you or introducing you into this lifestyle. And yeah. that has been one of one of our passions at Call to Freedom is when we started serving adults, we started journeying life with them and hearing their past and how this started many, many years before they actually came through the doors of call to freedom and didn't even know that they were trafficking victims because my dad introduced me to drugs. My dad introduced me to pornography. My dad sexually abused me. And then my dad sold mm -hmm. me. That's all I've ever known. And so this is the life that she was introduced to, or these individuals are introduced to by the person they trust the most. And that's what's normal to them, like Mary talks about. Um, and she didn't know until her 20s that, you know, a lot of them later in life go hear a, something in college or they, you know, get into a domestic violence shelter and they ask them a couple questions and then direct them to us. And we have to teach them what trafficking looks like because they don't even understand their own victimization. And that's right. these these traffickers are masters at this. They know vulnerabilities. They know how to exploit vulnerabilities. They know how to groom their victim where they think, like Mary said, I didn't understand what was happening to me because this not only control, but this switching in your brain that they become that provider for you and all these facets from basic needs to controlling your finances to controlling your children that you depend upon this trafficker. And I hear so many people say, why didn't they just leave? Well, it's nearly <laughs> impossible to leave a trafficking situation once you're in it. And that's why we're so passionate about the book that you're listing is because we don't want, we want parents to be equipped to understand this so that they never have to fall 
into those circumstances. And I really encourage families to get educated. Social media, there's so many ways that these perpetrators can connect with our children today. And they don't even have to be in the same vicinity. <laughs> they are online. They can get kids to come to them. They can say all the right things. And so really parents understanding that our Hollywood hasn't really done us any favors by some of the movies that they've put out and how this is facilitated. And um, it is definitely a business to these people. And so they conduct it like a business and there's no um, value for human life in this process. And so at that demand, which is the buyer wants somebody who's Midwestern, dark hair, brown eyes, and doesn't have an addiction, they're going to recruit what they can make a lot of money off of. And, and whatever's going to feed that cycle where they can make money, they're going to find that victim. So it doesn't, every buyer has a different um, demand or a different desire that they want. And so we have these different levels of demand that are wanting these different victims. And so that trafficker is going to find whatever is going to make him a lot of money. And unfortunately, that's what our world has come to. Um, and it's really easy. It's the second largest criminal activity in the United, in, in the world, because, and I really believe that it's right there with drugs because we don't have correct stats. 3% of victims ever identified. That means that 97% of victims never come out of those situations or never self-identified mm -hmm. because the services aren't there. So we don't even really have really good numbers to really say how vast this human trafficking is. And so I really encourage um, to get a hold of a book or a resource and get educated on this so that parents um, never have to have a walk through the doors of a cult of freedom ever, because we would yeah. prefer that they did it. And can I just frankly speaking, you know, Sioux Falls, South Dakota, you don't think of that as like some hotbed. Uh, you think, okay, maybe New York, maybe LA, Maybe the border towns in Texas, may, but Sioux Falls, South Dakota, is not a huge city. It's a it's a bigger city, but it's not huge. So, what what would you say to somebody that thinks like oh, it can't happen in Central, you know, Middle America? It's got to be on these bigger cities. What would you say to them? The National Human Trafficking Line, which is Polaris, has a stat that every they've gotten a report of a human trafficking situation in every county in the United States. The, mm -hmm. the reason why um, these traffickers love South Dakota is because we're naive to this. And this really actually flourishes in places where people don't think it's happening, don't take it seriously because it stays under the radar. It's it's like it's in hidden in the dark. But when the light exposes the darkness, right, then it, it can it can be exposed. But traffickers circles, these circles do not want to be exposed. And so they love rural communities. They love where our interstates go between, um, you know, multiple to 2990. We have reservations. So we have three of the poorest counties in the United States located here in South Dakota with our Indian reservations. And so when we're talking about those, we're talking about jurisdiction issues. And now that the borders opened up, we have seen more transition into the South Dakota and, and other communities. And they love the reservations because you have jurisdiction issues. You have a very vulnerable population because of those poverty levels. And they observe those, they observe that culture and they say, oh, they're all about family. 
and they integrate into those reservations and they go stay on the reservations and they can go stateside and facilitate this. And so we are actually a really um, opportune breeding ground for traffickers to do this. And we need more education to understand that. And and Mary can talk to this, too, because she was a Midwestern girl from South Dakota and you heard her story. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, on the uh, the um, on the video right now, we have uh, the link to uh, the page on your website. Know the signs of human trafficking. Uh, call to freedom.org slash signs of human trafficking. Uh, you find that uh, on the uh, the um, get involved tab, I believe is the right one. Uh, but and, and also just to you know, not to be uh, too broadcasting, but if you are somebody that is struggling or you think that you're in trafficking, call to freedom.org uh, has your safety in mind. So if you need to visit that website, there are safety features there to make sure that uh, no one knows that you visited. Yeah, absolutely. One of the things that we have learned with survivors is in every journey, we get smarter um, and we get better at what we do. Um, and we listen to, you know, those vulnerabilities. And so we have that button where you can escape. If you're on our line, um, people aren't going to know it. Um, we have, uh, we actually have cell phones where you can text. Um, we've learned just to have all of those uh, available resources so that um, we have pull tabs. We do a lot of different things because we want survivors to have every opportunity to get out of that situation. And guess what? Survivors are smart. <laughs> they know if you know what you're doing as a service provider or not. And as you hear Mary's story and, and many others, if they can't be safe and they can't leave, safely leave those situations, they're not going to leave because they know it's worse for them in the long run. And so coming to a service provider who really understands that safety, basic needs and that wraparound approach is really important to survivors. Yeah. And I would say safety the fear, you know, the fear is uh, real. Mm -hmm. And we, if we leave and they, for whatever reason, come and find us or get us and take and lure us back. I mean, I was lured back a couple of times and it's just that fear of safety is huge. Uh, just to know that if we go back, we have to take our punishment mm. for leaving. But it, we it, go back because there's no services. Yeah. And for like for myself, I mean, yes, I had a family, but mine, mine was different that, you know, there's reasons why you stay. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. And you know, mine was more, this was my family or my um, ex-husband or, it was husband at the time, father of my child, but also how they manipulate you. They are like Becky had said, they are masters at this. They are every time you think, you know, even on the social media, you think, Oh, wow, we've probably got the apps or whatever that they're using and boom, they switch it up. Yeah. So some of the youth I've talked to, you know, when they're saying, yeah, well, we're on this site or this site. And, and I'm just like, I don't even know that site. Uh, I, you know, half of them, I'm just like, that That wasn't during, uh, I would say my time quote in, in the life or in the game. Uh, we didn't have the social media like they do in it. It can be really quick now. 
Uh, yeah. I'm sure Becky can talk about that too, how quick you can lure someone to send um, a new photo of themselves over their phone and how that's traded as baseball cards and it's used against the person who sent them. Uh, it's just the sextortion today yeah, just, yeah. is, is um, very rampant. I think when Mary talked about boys and young, young males, um, we're seeing this escalation because this is how this business works, right? That there's a demand for boys, which there is, then that trafficker is going to go find it. But they also know that there aren't a lot of services for boys and there isn't a lot of discussion surrounding boys being trafficked. Yeah. So guess what? Perfect opportunity to victimize somebody and stay under the radar. And so working with the feds and working these cases, we've just seen this escalation, um, not only in South Dakota, across our region and sextortion with young boys. And so they'll pose as an individual that is a girl and they say, I like you. Um, I want to get to know you. Send me a picture. And these boys think that they're being sincere and they send pictures of themselves, nudie pictures. And then they go back and say, guess what? You sent it to a guy. And now I'm going to mm -hmm. tell everybody you're gay and send me more pictures or go get your mom's credit card. We've had that too. And we've also had where they have then said more pictures and then one way ticket to meet them. And then these kids are gone mm. or these young boys are committing suicide because yeah. they have nowhere to go. And the shame for boys and, and males is very different for, for women and young girls. It, it looks different. The services look different. The approach looks different. Um, and so we, we just got to be there to support not every victim that is being victimized by this, no matter where they're at. And so, yeah. I think parents really need to know what the trends are too in, in these victimizations so that they can, you know, safeguard their children as well. Absolutely. And, and you bring up a good point. It looks differently. Society looks on it differently when it's a boy getting abused sexually, because if you look at what ha the, the different reactions that society has, when a male teacher has sex with a underage girl, it, mm -hmm. it's horrible. But then there's jeers and jokes when it's a female teacher with underage boys. Like, oh, look at the boy. He's living the dream. Yes. But that's sexual abuse. That's abuse. That's rape of a child. Absolutely. And we look at it differently in our society. And that needs to change, too. So the mindset needs to change so that these boys know that they can go to somebody and ask for help. And instead of being picked on or teased or whatever the case may be or, or shunned. Um, because it's in some ways, this is one of those times where you don't just rub some dirt on it and, and man up. This is times where you need to help and protect that kid. Absolutely. Our, our culture is exactly that. You're a boy, get over it and move on. And the way they victimize these kids, it's extremely difficult to get over it and move on. And they're not. I'm telling you right now, the number one thing that we're seeing is suicides in these young boys because of what culture has created and, and this concept of you're a boy, get over it, or, you know, I shouldn't have been that dumb and the shame and all of those things that hit this young man. And, um, oh, I don't want to bring that out because we'll be embarrassed as a family. You know what? This is your child. Yeah. <laughs> this is somebody's child. And somehow in this social media and world that we've gotten into, it's just lost value of who people are. And nobody should be silenced. Yeah. 
people should be heard and people should have safe places to go to know that, you know what, you matter and to validate them and to be able to help them to get to that next step. And I think we as a as a culture, as a as service providers have failed people in those. And I think, you know, I, I'm always a challenger. How do we do it better, guys? You know, I say to my team, if that didn't work with somebody, how can we make, you know, what do we need to add service-wise? What do we need to change to make it work the next time? Because that person has value. Every life is somebody's child, is somebody's grandchild. Um, and no matter if they're out on the streets and they're homeless and they may have mental health, they still matter. And I don't know where this world has gotten today that people don't matter. And that's wrong. And so I just, that is my prayer that that we wake up as America, as a, as, as a nation, and finally say that it's about people. It's not about being right <laughs> all the time. It's about the people and valuing people. Um, and so, yeah, that's my little soapbox. Sorry about that. Yeah. But Oh, don't apologize. No, absolutely. Yeah. Um, and, and for somebody that's that maybe is watching or listening that needs help, but maybe they're not in South Dakota, what would your advice be? Can they reach out to you and can you refer them? Is there a network that you can refer them to? Or what would you say to somebody that's not in your district or area? Yeah. So for if you are a individual needing services, yes, you can always reach out to calderfreedom.org. We work with organizations across um, every state. And we are very committed to saying, if you don't have a service provider, we'll help you find it within your community or we'll come get you and bring you. <laughs> Whatever safety looks like to you, we'll do that. So call to freedom.org. Um, there's also another national tool. Um, it's called the National Human Trafficking Hotline. Polaris. Um, individuals can call that if they're in a situation. Um, and then they have connections of services throughout the United States as well. Um, and they have a be free text number as well with that, that they can text to. Um, and then also Department of Homeland Security, even though it's government and it's also, you know, feds, um, you know, they have a lot of resources as well. So it really depends on your situation, which I would say which one would be the best. But those are three good ones that you can start with. Awesome. So right now I'm uh, putting in the, um, the text and the hotline for the National Human Trafficking uh, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Uh, they have English and Spanish available. Uh, you can learn more at 888-373-7888 or uh, text HELP to 233-733. And that's through the um, National Human Trafficking Hotline. Uh, we'll keep that up for a few moments. Um, so normally we aim for about an hour on our program, but we, we've just had so much good information. I uh, I hope it's okay to keep you guys a little bit longer. Um and, and uh, I really want to get into uh, the uh, the book that we were talking about a little bit earlier. Uh, I know that uh, uh, that uh, Mary, you're one of the co-authors along with Ruth. Uh, it's called A Call yeah. to Freedom, uh, A Parent's Guide to Understanding uh, Trafficking. Uh, tell us a little bit about the book and uh, what uh, what parents can garner from it. And I'm sure that uh, youth and, and uh, kids church leaders could probably learn a thing or two as well. Sure, I'll start out and then I'm... Becky can come on in there. Uh, this was really the work of uh, the, the grandmother who was one of, right, Becky, the first uh, clients that walked through the doors of Call to Freedom. She was the first. She was a oh, grandmother. She was the, the first, first yeah. client to walk through the doors of Call to Freedom. So Ruth and I uh, started collaborating over a year ago 
Ruth started this and I came aboard and we kind of thought, what is, what is this? But we knew parents, we knew it affects so many people in that whole support system. And what does it look like? How do you respond? There's so much information and it's overwhelming for mm -hmm. everybody. And how do you walk alongside that journey? And again, my parents would have loved to have had a Ruth to call and said, like, what did, what did you do? How did you handle your own uh, triggers or cues from things that were happening? And we came up, Ruth wrote this, and then I started saying, well, I've got some writings. And uh, we kind of collaborated all of this, and, and we kind of sat down, and I said, wow, this is great. And Ruth's like, I love it. I go, I love it because it provides that knowledge and education and to say that you're not alone in its personal experiences. It, 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 I mean, this is Ruth and I talking about our lived experiences, what makes us an expert at mm. what we went through. And when we, Becky who, and called Freedom, I mean, Becky supported us through this entire step and we're like, Okay, Becky, here. <laughs> We've got something. We've got something. And we really actually she chased after me says, You need to publish this. You need to publish this. And I'm like, okay, okay, you know, because you're gonna get a little busy. But then um I started getting calls. God just God is amazing how he does mm -hmm. things. Calls from Michigan, Florida, from all over the United States, going, My daughter's in this scenario. What do I do? I can't find somebody to help me here, but I heard about you. And I knew that it, this book was for, again, for such a time as this. And there were so many parents that were struggling. And what I love about this book, it gives you both it gives the survivor perspective and then the family perspective. And it brings this holistic look of a survivor from each perspective. So now you have a family perspective of how the family struggled and how they navigated this with Calder Freedom with their granddaughter. And then you have Mary, who was in the midst of it and telling what her perspective was in the midst of her trafficking situation. And they took all of these worlds and they meshed them together. And it is good. Like they, they did an amazing job. And, and it's one of these things where it's a really easy read, but it's also very informative. So if you are struggling as a parent, I'm seeing warning signs. Something's not right with my kids. Get this book. I, my daughter is gone or missing what do I do in those scenarios? Get this book. Um, now my daughter is back from trafficking or my son is back from trafficking. How do I walk alongside him? That's in this book as well. And it's this real perspective from prevention, intervention to walking out that with their loved one. Wow. And you can find the book uh, on Amazon or on the website, uh, uh, calledtofreedom.org. Uh, uh, it's, uh, the book is called Call to Freedom, A Parent's Guide to Understanding Human Trafficking and Healing Their Children. And uh, like I mentioned, I think that this would be a valuable resource uh, for youth leaders and children's uh, mm -hmm. church leaders uh, to kind of understand because, frankly, the, the world is darker and it's going to get darker before for Christ returns. And our children are in the in the crosshairs of society because the enemy knows that he can stop the next generation if he can get kids at a young age and get them in all the, what ends up being nothing but utter confusion. 
and, uh, through uh, through these different attacks. So uh, just want to encourage you to go to the website, uh, calltofreedom.org, calltofreedom.org. Um, so um, this is just su- such an, an invaluable conversation. I hope that people uh, will will listen, will support. Uh, what's what is the biggest need right now for Call to Freedom? Do you need volunteers? Do you need money? What what resources do you all need? You know, we are always adding to our, you know, I, everybody's like administrative and overhead, but it really, it's the people walking alongside a, a survivor in their journey. And so what we, what, how we've evolved Call to Freedom is, oh my goodness, survivors couldn't get jobs because they didn't have an employment record for five years. Now we have employment specialists on staff to help bridge those gaps. Um, They struggled with mental health and getting connected with addiction services. We put that on staff. And so as we continue now, we have Marissa's house where we built a a home that that houses survivors and their children. Mm -hmm. And now we have this new arm of the services that we're offering to, to mothers, survivors, and their children. And that's new for us, but we knew it was a desire of those that we served. And so our, our greatest need now is to really expand that, that piece with mothers and their children to be able to provide them with daycare and jobs and, and being able to take that supportive living environment, but then become self-sufficient. And so um, finances are always a need. And then uh, secondly, I would say prayer, I would say prayer first and then finances, but prayer for us. And you can go to calltofreedom.org and prayer points. Um, and we, we really need prayer because, um, when you become effective for the kingdom, you become a target as well. And so that, that warfare is very real and we're very passionate about making sure that we continue to, to provide services, but that survivors have every opportunity for hope. Um, and so prayer is really, um, I would ask that people would not only pray for those that we serve, but also for those that are buying and those that are that are facilitating this, because if we don't break the cycle of trafficking, we're going to have more victims than we've ever had. And and we can't keep up, <laughs> you know, and I don't want that. I, I want a day where we can close our doors and, and we're not needed um, and we're here until that day comes. But if we can in prayer, pray that God can touch all these people in in and really break this vicious cycle of trafficking. I really believe that's the only time that we will see human trafficking end because no man can end human trafficking. Only God can. Yeah. yeah it, it's, it's sad to think how prevalent it is. Um, uh, we're recording and we're broadcasting in April. Two months ago was the Super Bowl. The Super Bowl is I think the largest trafficking event in the world, because all over the world, people with money and power connections Mm -hmm. come to one city and uh, they've brought their money and people think, well, this is the one way they want to be entertained. So, um, and I, I have friends that are part of sting operations during Super Bowl weekend Mm -hmm. of guys that are buying or trying to buy teenage girls or, or teenage boys or even younger. Um, so it's rampant. It's it's modern day slavery, and uh, only God can end it. But uh, we can definitely play a part in helping advance God's kingdom against this war. Yeah, absolutely, we can. And um, and if we don't, who will? <laughs> right. So if God has put a call on your life to do something about this or something else, 
I am a perfect example that God will equip you to do it because never did I think just a short seven years ago that we would be an agency providing this holistic continuum of care services in just less than eight years. But that's God. And yeah. God is very, very, very serious about touching those that are in, in captivity. I, I pray I hear it. He says, I am, and I am as in charge of this ministry. He tells me that all the time. He reminds me, um, and he loves every single one of them, but he does need us to work through in order to do his work. So yeah. I would encourage you, and I, I get teary-eyed because I have the opportunity to hear the stories of who we impact and how God has impacted them and to play a small part in that journey. Um, and that's really humbling. Um, that God could use somebody like me <laughs> to do that, but he wants to use other people too. And he needs other people to stand up and, and be about the kingdom business. And this is kingdom business right now is, is breaking the cycle of trafficking. Absolutely. And Matthew West had a song, I think came out about six years ago. And uh, it, the theme of the song is he's like, God, why don't you do something? And God answers back, I did. I created you. Amen. Yeah. Amen for that one. Amen. So because we believe that there's hope, we believe that God is in control and he's on his throne and there's hope. I don't want to be irreverent of the conversation we just had because it's powerful and it's important, but I want to end on a lighter note because we have hope. We know that God is there, that Jesus is in control, that Jesus is forgiving and saving. So I want to end on a lighter note. Uh, we have uh, two final segments uh, that we do each show. It's called The Interrogation, uh, Seven Random Questions That Otherwise Wouldn't Have Fit in the Conversation. And then the other one is called Wise Counsel, or I'll ask you for any tips or advice you'd have for anybody that wants to use their gifts, their talents, their passions, or their uh, even their experiences in a way that would honor God. So we'll do the, uh, the Wise Counsel last, but first we'll do... Uh, one of my favorite segments is called The Interrogation. So the first question, and uh, you guys uh, answer, whoever wants to answer first, take it. Uh, what makes you laugh? <laughs> that God uses me, and I'm completely blonde at times in my life. <laughs> I laugh at myself a lot. <laughs> You're right. She's right. Ask Mary about my directions. It's not. It's, it's horrible. Horrible. Absolutely I won't let horrible. her drive. I'm like, no. this is a perfect example. If God can use me, he can use anyone. Right, Mary? No. <laughs> You're a very humble person, Becky, but um, I will keep driving when we have to go places for directions. Just know that. And I will let you. Because yeah, I'm humble too. <laughs> Oh, that's so funny. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, okay. <laughs> so, Mary, anything uh, else or just laughing at uh, at Becky's directions? Uh, well, yeah, yeah, that's it's pretty bad. But I will say in, in this journey, I have found my voice, uh, which is incredible because I was always told to be quiet, that it didn't matter, you know. And all of a sudden, I'm like, I can sit back and I'm I'm laughing like, whoa. Uh, boy, God, uh, my discernment is way off the charts. I mean, I, I pray about it, but I can sit back and laugh because I'm like, me? Like, really? Uh, I don't speak. I, I don't write. Uh, 
just so many things. And I thought, what, I got a talent and I'll just laugh about it because I'm the last person uh, I told Becky years ago, don't ever get me to talk about nothing. I'm not going to say anything. And then I'm like, well, God's using me. And, and the kind of like, I, I don't know if you chose me to do this or whatever it is, but I just sat there like me, I would have never in a million years thought. And then of course, a person who has a very dry sense of humor. I laugh all the time now. Nice. Glad to yeah. hear that. You're afraid to speak, and now you're speaking to potentially millions of people throughout the uh, interwebs. I have no clue right now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I have to like go. Whoa! Well, we just learned. we could recreate our own clueless scenario, couldn't we? Yeah. Like, we, we don't know what's going on. <laughs> All right, question number two on the interrogation. Uh, what's your favorite comfort food? French fries. <laughs> Sorry, French fries. Nice. Uh, oh, I must have many because I can't think of one. <laughs> uh, my comfort food. No, I'll, I'll have to go with the cheeseburger and fries. Good yeah, choice. Becky, we always seem to order that when we're like, we do <laughs> we order the same things? Oh, yeah. Cheeseburger more. fries. Okay. Perfect. Question number three, with whom do you most identify in scripture? You want to go first, Mary? I would say John. I love John and John seems arrogant, but I'm like, I'm God's beloved. I know it. I know God <laughs> loves me. Like I'm his beloved. And it sounds arrogant, but like, it's not arrogant because I'm just telling you everything that happens good, God does. And and I know I'm loved. And so I really, I laugh at John because I'm like, oh, I totally get you because I am his beloved and I see that in all that I do. And so I would say for me, it would be John. Nice. Okay. So I had a class on, or I, I took a class on who you most identify with in the Bible at a survivor retreat. Hundreds of survivors are there. Mm. Uh, overcomers. We like to call ourselves so that it's a word, uh, a word that's used out there. Oh boy. I. Mary. <laughs> okay. I'm kidding. Mary. Mary, Mary. <laughs> well, so Mary's movie is being scripted, you know, and they were oh, like, really? what would be a great name for your character? What would be a good Catholic girl's well, name? No, for I said to him, we need a really strong. You mean like Mary? <laughs> yeah. I was like, we need a really good, strong Christian name here. And um, I don't want it to be something like, eh, whatever. And they're like, uh, Mary? I'm like, oh, we can't use my name my name, but that's just what came up. So yeah, I don't know. There, there are a couple after I took this uh, class, so I don't know on that one. Okay. How, how do you like that inter interrogation answer? <laughs> <laughs> Whatever's honest. That's all I'm looking for. So no yeah, I'm like, I don't know which one. Right? Uh, there's, a, there, there's a couple. I got a good one for this one. All right, so what's a talent that you have that few people have seen? I can talk like Donald Duck. <laughs> yeah. Prove it. Oh. You ready? Does it not sound like <laughs> I didn't even know that. But wow. I, I didn't even know this one. Okay. I did not know this. 
I know. I don't really share it often, but thanks, Dave. <laughs> yeah. Oh, awesome. Well, well, now we know what you're going to do when you're working with the kids that come in. You can start talking That's like right. Donald. Yes, I will. <laughs> okay, so I can write with one of my toes. <laughs> Which one? Oh, nice. Right or left? It's my left foot. I could put it. Are you right-handed? I right-handed. But left-footed. Yeah. I, oh, that's so interesting. Can you write wow, your name? I just shared that. I mean, whatever. Um, you, didn't, yeah. you didn't show it on camera. No, absolutely not. No, absolutely not. That's not even on there. But yeah. I can write with my left. I mean, not great, but I can draw with my left foot. Very cool. Okay. Question number five. Where would you most like to visit in this life? Israel. I have never been to Israel. I would love to go to the Holy Land. My number one. Yeah, I, I'm going to agree on that. There's many places I can't go because of my uh, background. So mm. there's so many that are on my list to see. But I would love to. That would have been. That would have been a place I would love. I've seen many places in South America, but I, I never got over to those countries. Okay. Here's what I'm going to say, but God, Mary, but God. but God, I'm believing somebody's going to pardon you because the pardoning process on a federal level is a nightmare. Yeah. It's re-traumatizing. Um, but I'm believing God's going to see your story or somebody's going to see your story. God's going to move on their heart and you're going to get a pardon. And those dreams and those desires will be fulfilled. That's Amen. my belief. Amen. Yeah. Now, uh, the next question, if you go back and relive a moment, now this could go either way. If it's something that. Uh, I got to put my glasses on. Okay. <laughs> uh, if you could go back and relive a moment, whether you want to relive it because you enjoyed it or relive it because you want to change something. Uh, what is that moment that you'd go back and relive? Are you waiting on me? Um, oh, well, I'm kind of thinking oh, you go first. <laughs> I'm like really in depth thinking on this one. Yeah. I okay. I'll go. You no, know, I'm trans. I'm transparent. So, for many years, I wanted to go back and change all these things about my life. Mm -hmm. I mean, there were so many moments. This is kind of a wasn't it an empowering time. I don't know now if I would, because I see things different. God has shown me a lot of things and, and opened my eyes since I've been home for the past 20 years, and it has been a journey. Maybe if I could go back to the people that walked into my life that never got out mm. of being sex and labor trafficked. Mm. I, I really do. I I've spent this journey and, and I, I did in the beginning, really, it felt like my whole life, you wanted to go back and re uh, lift something or you wanted to do this. It's kind of a, I don't know now as God has shown, shown me things and how you can serve and help, help others. I, I don't know if I would be in where I'm at of serving and helping others. And I tell you what, that would, years ago, I would have never said that. Uh, so yeah, I'm leaving it at, at that. Okay. That's a good answer. I appreciate that. 
I would say it would be the moment that I uh, truly surrendered my life to Christ. Um, I think sometimes as you walk your journey, um, you tend to probably get less um, enthusiastic and passionate. And, and um, I just remember those days and I try to remember those days where I, I, the Lord found me or I found him, however you want to say that, and my life radically changed. Um, and I would not be doing what I'm doing today if Christ had not come into my life. And um, I knew there was something always missing in my life. I just didn't know what it was until I met him. And now I'm walking out my purpose. And I would just encourage people if they don't know Christ, um, you know, that I pray that people will have that encounter like I did and, and many others I know. Awesome. All right. Final question of uh, this segment is uh, what is something you hope to accomplish this year? We're a third of the way in, but uh, what, what would you say uh, is something that you want to accomplish? I'm going to take to Lou. Oh, look at me. You go. You go. Uh, Well, at first I was saying, well, I'd really like to lose about 30, 40 pounds. I'm on my road to that. Uh, But really what I do hope is that the, uh, support groups that uh, I help start through Call to Freedom for survivors that in their journey so that they can get those new chapters and so that that continues to grow. Unfortunately, that it, it does need to grow because more victims are coming out. Mm-hmm. So we need that support so that we can make and see healthy relationships um, that we're not alone uh, we're not abnormal in our thoughts, in our behaviors, in our responses. We just need people to walk alongside us, care, and love us unconditionally. Amen. Mine is not quite as cool. I want to take a vacation somewhere warm. We're in South Dakota. We've yeah, gotten 70 plus <laughs> inches of snow this this winter. I'm like, we're taking a family vacation and we're going to rest and I'm going to disconnect my phone and my computer and I'm going to enjoy my family for a week plus. <laughs> that yeah. is one of my goals for 2023. And you need to do that. There, yeah, there. I know that there's a temptation to think that you know the work can't go on without you, but if it if you don't take the break, it will have to figure a way to do that because you'll burn yourself out. So I hope that you can get that accomplished. Thank you. Because even God took a day off. So you deserve it. Thank you. I appreciate it. Amen. 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 All right. So the final question I ask every guest, uh, and again, you guys, uh, whoever wants to go first, uh, uh, feel free to take it. For anyone that wants to use their gifts for God's glory, and those gifts can be talents, their passions, or even allowing God to redeem their experiences. Uh, What is your wise counsel for them? I'll go first, if that's okay. Um, I have learned in my journey um, that God has called me to be a leader, and I've always looked for good leaders to model. And I've learned that not any leader is perfect. Um, I think it's important to have people in your circle that hold you accountable that you trust, because if you're a leader without accountability, um, that's really scary today. Um, We should all have people in our circle that hold us accountable because we don't always see things out of the right lens because we're human. 
Um, but also in that is, you know, that every leader is doesn't isn't perfect, but there's something you can take away from those people that impact your life. What are the one good thing that you want to take from them? And what's the one thing you don't want to take? And I've learned that I take both of those. And, and when I meet leaders or people God has brought into my life, I want to take this and I want to incorporate that. And I don't want to incorporate this. And I think that's okay because um, God made us unique to be our own leaders or to step into our own calling. But I think he's always surrounded people in my life in different seasons of my life when I needed them to be able to learn, gauge, or be able to, for them to, to help me through those seasons and, and take it and, and then impart into other people because as leaders, our job is to, to create other leaders as well. And so I would say, don't be afraid of accountability. Um, don't let a, a leader that you perceive to not necessarily be the best one, um, Take the best from them and take the things that you don't want and merge, merge those into what God's calling you to do and to mm. walk forward with integrity and, and develop your character. That's good. That's very good. Mary, what say you? Um, I would have to say on the gifts and talents is that people really tap into that through prayer and having God show them because sometimes we want to head in one direction mm -hmm. and God has other plans for us, but we need to release that and know what are our gifts and talents that God equipped us with. And are we going to use those for the kingdom? Everybody I've had many overcomers come and say, I don't have any gifts. I don't have any talent. I said, you do just ask God to show you. Mm -hmm. and don't allow the enemy to turn that around. And when, when you do pray about that, I would say my, one of my gifts and talents is probably just be able to really understand and sit down and take my experience, turn it around and know that I am used for a greater purpose. It took me a long time to get there and the discernment that God has given me. So taking that, whatever your talents are, Yes, pray about it. Seek someone that you trust, but as long as it's coming from God and not from the enemy. Yeah. I think that's huge. I'm always like, show me God, because I don't need anything uh, that I feel like I may want to talk um, and keep going on something where it's it's what I want. It's what I want. It's about me, but it's not. It is yeah. about God and it is about his glory and his kingdom. Amen. Awesome. Well, we made it through. Thank you all so much for being on and staying extra uh, because this topic can't be talked about enough. Um, you think about uh, Epstein Island and, and uh, Ghislaine Maxwell, whatever her name is, you know, she's in jail, but apparently she sold nobody to no one because nobody else has been I have in jail. I a whole different comment on all this. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, I can't even go there right now. <laughs> yeah. The, the point being that we need more awareness because with more mm -hmm. awareness, we could start yeah. fighting mm -hmm. uh, through the judicial system against uh, the, yes. the people that are that are guilty. And yes. also with more awareness, we get more people uh, fighting the spiritual battle. And we need more people fighting that spiritual battle than ever before because they're coming for our kids. They're coming for the vulnerable. Yes. They're coming for those that uh, are unaware of the dangers of the world. So, uh, Mary and, and Becky, thank you so much for sharing 
Uh, and uh, I, I didn't ask before we went on air, so I hate to put anybody on spot, but uh, would one of you or both of you like to pray us out for tonight? Becky, you want me to? Yeah, of course. Yeah, I would absolutely love that. Father God, we thank you for the opportunity to meet Dave and, and him to share um, your glory and who you are through Mary and I. Lord, we thank you that um, whoever is meant to hear this podcast, that you draw them near, um, Lord, that you bring them. Lord, we just ask you to use it for your glory. Um, Lord, there are so many people right now that are hidden in this darkness, and you love every one of them. You hear their cries. So I thank you not only will you use this for your glory, but you'll rise up other people to stand in the gap um, to do this work in the anti-human trafficking world, Lord. Um, we just praise you. We give you all the glory. Um, thank you for your continued wisdom. Thank you for your continued direction. And Lord, we thank you that your name will spread like fame um, through all that you do to glorify um, and to bring people to freedom, Lord. Um, and we pray this in your mighty name. Amen. 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 And before I let you go, I want to pray over both of you, if that's okay. Yes. Uh, Heavenly Father, God, thank you for the opportunity to meet uh, these two beautiful sisters in Christ uh, and for them sharing their hearts and being vulnerable and being open. Because when you share your testimony and when you share the work that that you are doing through through these ladies, uh, that makes them a bigger target. The enemy is going to attack on every side. So I pray, Father, that you would protect them, protect their families. I pray for Becky that you would give her uh, a clear calendar so she and her family can get away for a week because uh, undoubtedly the things that, that she's seen and, and been a part of as she's fighting this fight it has grown some weariness in her heart. And I, I pray that you would give her that week to recharge, to draw closer to you, to closer to her family, and that you would clear the calendar in, in such a way that she can take that rest. And I pray for a call to freedom that you would provide every need uh, financially and uh, in manpower uh, for for everything that they want to do to serve others. Uh, and Lord, I pray a special uh, just outpouring of your blessing and love on Mary uh, for being willing to to hold her head up high and to uh, to just celebrate what you've done in her life. Uh, I just think of the story of Joseph in the Old Testament where what the enemy and what the brothers meant for harm that you are now turning to good. You didn't cause it, but you're using it. And I just pray your special blessing over Mary, that you would protect her heart, that you would uh, protect her family, and that you continue to bless her son as he uh, uh, set, uh, walks into his purpose. But I pray for, for these ladies that you would bless them and carry them through and meet their every single need and bless them with their heart's desires as well, Lord. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much. That was very nice. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Thank you all for being on. Uh, I'm going to end the broadcast now, but I uh, hope you guys will stay on just a couple moments after we close. But uh, uh, thank you all for uh, joining us on Gifts of Glory. We'll be back in two weeks. Uh, we'll talk to you then.